mindfulness mode. There is nothing but you, the universe, a writing utensil, and your pad of paper. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness here on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. Hey, have you ever thought, Mindful Tribe, about what kind of a legacy you're leaving behind? Have you ever thought, you know, is what I'm doing today ever going to be remembered? Well, man, I have a book for you. And the author right here with me, who is a legendary man himself. This is Tommy Breedlove. Hey, Tommy, are you in mindfulness mode today? Bruce, brother, every time I speak to you, I get completely focused and present. So, man, I am as, as mindful as it gets right now. So grateful to be here and so grateful for this friendship. Happy to be back. Oh, I'm so happy to have you back on the show. And it was three years ago, July 2017, when you were on the show before. And uh, that was back at episode 232. So Mindful Tribe, if you want to check back, you know, that's a great episode. And I just listened to it again this morning. Uh, Mindfulnessmode.com slash 232. You'll hear Tommy and you'll hear a great conversation. But now he has a new book called Legendary, a simple playbook for building and living a legendary life and being remembered as a legend. And it is a terrific book. I just finished reading the whole thing. It was so well written and so Tommy from beginning to end. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, so it's great to have you on the show. And so tell us about this book. How did you get this together? Was it a struggle? It was a bit of a struggle getting this thing to happen or what? (laughs) So audience, Bruce, uh, we were getting into this struggle because, yes, it was a struggle. Um, Fear, perfectionism, not good enough, time, um, all of that stuff that we all deal with as human beings got in the way. But it was so funny. Bruce is like, we got to get this. And so, yes, it was a struggle. Um, A good, a mutual friend of Bruce and I, Tom Schwab, who's also been on this, this show and who Bruce and Tom, I believe will be remembered as legendary humans, which is a real compliment. But he told me three years ago that you need to get your story out to the world and you need to tell your story and you need to inspire people and hopefully give people the gift of going second, which is be raw and vulnerable about where you've been, what you've been through and how you got through it. The world needs to hear this story, especially the business world, which I came from the world of large business and financial world. So um, it was three years in the writing. It was all blood, sweat, and tears. The original name of the book was Pawn to King, which sounded, uh, which di- didn't ever resonate with me in some ways. I think I was going through a Game of Thrones phase. And so here we are, two years and six months, publishing deadlines facing us, lots of consultants, um, publishing uh, the deadlines, but also pressures from the publisher on the writing. We had some consultants involved, and it just never felt like me and never felt like it had my blood and my soul and my heart felt forced. And on some levels, it felt negative and not positive. And I wanted to put light out to the world and hope and simple, executable tools. It also felt too deep, like it was too deep in all of these subjects that could have been books in themselves. And so one night, uh, two years and six months into this process, my wife was out of town and um, I had gotten the latest version back from the team and, and it's all on me. It's not on them. And by the way, they're some of the most talented people I've ever met in the world. And they, once I got my blood and soul on it, they made it rise and it's become the success it's become. But 
one year uh, over, <laughs> my wife was traveling and I might have might not had a little too much bourbon after reading that book. And I, I, it just hit me. Write the book that you needed during your transition at 36. Write the book that literally saved your life. Write the book that literally helped you become happy, successful, mindful, but also not leaving your ambition behind. Write that book that you've seen help yourself and now hundreds of others that have come through your Legendary Life program. And I did. And brother, when I tell you it went from two years and six months of perfectionism and insecure fight, am I good enough? Why do I hate this? To just flow three months of pure bliss writing. The team was all in. The publisher was all in. They, the people that helped me make it sound better. You know, I'm, uh, I'm from the Southeast United States. <laughs> My English sometimes is not the best in the world. And so it just was this three-month beautiful process. It was a lot of hard work. Um, people don't realize how much work goes into creation of something that you care about so much. And brother, as a recovering perfectionism perfectionist, and as someone who always struggled with, am I good enough? I am so super proud of this book. I'm so super proud that Legendary has become a Wall Street Journal and USA Today bestseller. I think it will change lives. I think it'll be applicable five generations from now. And you talk about leaving impact, living a life of significance, and ultimately leaving legacy. I feel like this book does that. And I'm not being, I am the most non-ego guy when it comes to this stuff. It was the exact opposite for years. I'm just, I can't tell you how humbled and how grateful and how proud of this piece of work I am. I feel like it's my baby and I've gotten so much unbelievable feedback on it because it's simple, it's fun, it's a quick read and it's so appliable in all phases of our lives. And so thank you, Bruce, for letting me talk about it. I'll, yeah. I'll stop talking about that. No, it <laughs> just, really is. I can talk all day. Things. It's like talking about your child, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the guy who posts the pictures of his child on the internet over and over again because <laughs> I think my child's the prettiest. <laughs> well, your child is pretty awesome. <laughs> so when did you come up with the, the name Legendary? When did that come to you? Kind of at the end. Um, and I'll tell you why we picked Legendary. And, and um, I certainly do not consider myself a legend. And we live, Bruce, you and I and the world, we live in a world of constant self-promotion, especially in the social media world where everybody's Instagram fabulous or Facebook fabulous or everybody wants to seem so successful and valuable on LinkedIn Legendary is something that if you and I and society started calling ourselves, people would laugh us out of the rooms. And legendary is something that's given to us by society, our peers, our family, our colleague, and it's ultimately how we will be remembered. Did we leave the people we love, the people we serve in this world better than we found it? And to me, that's what building and living a legendary life means. And there's been so many horrific legends. I don't even want to give them air. Because there's been millions of, you know, we know them. They're still, we remember their names. Yeah. There's also been so many other amazing legends. And it has nothing to do with rich or fame. It has to do with impact. It has to do with serving. It ha happens to, live to, to people who live their life with purpose and their truth, who cultivate unconditional love for themselves, who, who have intimate relationships with others. So, but it's also about building financial confidence, mastery, and freedom so that you can make more impact in the world. And so to me, Legendary has given us to buy societies, and I, I believe it's a holistic way of living our lives, building our lives, and impacting others in the best that we can so that we live it, this world a little bit better than we found it. 
Yeah, I would agree. I would agree for sure. You talk quite a bit in the book about affirmations. You come to them and then you come back a couple of times. And one of your affirmations is, I expand in love, success, and abundance every day as I inspire others around me to do the same. And that's only one of them, but those are great affirmations. Do you do you ever call them mantras? Um, I like the word mantras. I like the word affirmations. Um, I- some of my community doesn't understand the word mantra. They always ask me, what does that mean? I was going to ask some you, of my, is there any difference in your mind between a mantra and an affirmation? Um, I don't think so. Well, I, you know, that's a great question. Um, to me, a lot of people poo-poo on affirmations. To me, a mantra would be like your war cry. Um, like we, uh, we have a family war cry. Um, we're small. My family is super small. Um, my wife and I, we don't have kids and that's a whole nother subject for a whole nother time. Um, wasn't our choice, but the, um, one of her mantras is protect and defend this fort. And the other end is the breed love show up. We do show up, um, for ourselves, for others, and we serve. And so those are the mantras of our guiding lights that we go by. But I think a mantra can be an affirmation. It can be a work. Why it can be an intention. It can be attention. It can be a vision. Um, by the way, that affirmation that you like so much, that's not mine. Um, I read that in The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks, which is one of my favorite books of all time. And I have written down that mantra every day, almost for the last seven or eight years. That's how powerful I found that affirmation. And to me, whether it's a mantra that you meditate on, a mantra that you live by, an affirmation that you write, what, why I believe in them so much. And the reason people make fun of them, there was whole Saturday night live skits on affirmations where they teased them, but they literally rewire our hearts, our minds, and our souls for self-confidence, for self-respect, so that we can love ourselves, so that we can become our own best friend, so that we can sit in a room by ourselves and minimize that noise inside our head that says we're not good enough, that we're scared. What if they know my deepest, darkest desires? And the more we meditate, the more we get mindful, the more we do affirmations or practice gratitude, these simple basic steps that we can do in under 30 minutes a day, it literally starts rewiring and builds that emotional, mental, and spiritual fortress so that we're just a little bit better than we were yesterday. So I'm a big fan of mantras. I'm a big fan of affirmation, big fan of meditation. And it's all basic skills because if we don't go to the gym, we get out of shape, right? Our body starts atrophying. If we don't eat right, which you know, as we record this, it's, it, we're in the COVID time. I have put on the freshman 15. So I put on my COVID 15 uh, because I been, haven't been eating like I normally do. Um, but same thing goes with our hearts. Same things goes with our minds. So things go for our spirit and our money and phys- all of our muscles. They need to be worked out a little bit every day so that we're a little bit stronger every day. And that's something I firmly believe in. One of your messages in the book, Tommy, is you said, the more I travel and read, the more I realize that all humans want is to be safe, seen, heard, and loved. And that is so true. When do you think you came to that conclusion? Have you always known that? Oh, no. Oh, no. I, I did not know that. And I think there's a oneness in knowing that. It doesn't matter what culture. And I, I want to add something to that, that I, I think people also want to be free. And um, in Canada and the U.S. where we're recording, we get that luxury. For the most part, we live free lives. And I think there's unfortunately countries around the world that don't have that freedom. But those people still want to be safe, seen, heard, and loved. 
And no, that didn't come to me all at once. I think through great coaching, I think through great readings, I think through great mentorship and just watching humans. And sometimes when we act out of our value systems or we get judgmental or angry or cynical or fearful, that's, we don't feel safe. We don't feel heard. We don't feel seen. We don't feel loved. And sometimes we don't feel free. And then, then we start acting out of our value systems. And I believe we're all have the basic needs of that. Um, something else I learned, the more I travel and I love to travel, I love to taste, see, and hear cultures all around the world. I also have realized how, how little I do know. I used to be one of those human beings that thought he knew everything. And now I realize I know nothing. And that the more I seek, the more I learn, the more I grow, the more I travel, the more I listen to other people, the more I coach, the more I am coached, I realize I don't know much either. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know quite a bit. I think, I think when, uh, when anyone reads that book, we, we certainly feel like you know quite a bit. But one of the things you included was a formula in the book. Mm. And I thought this was really, really good because I think that something that a lot of people struggle with is finding your purpose. And so mm. you put a formula in there, your formula about matching our purpose to our profession. Mm. And uh, that was that was very impactful. How long did it take you to come up with that? So I think it's a combination of work, again, I, you know, I am a coach. I am Ruster. My, I am a public speaker. I am a writer. I run masterminds, but I also practice what I preach. And so I've gone through some great coaching. I'm gone through some great masterminds. I continue to be coached and run masterminds. So I think it's a combination of all that I've read, all that I've seen, all that I've practiced in myself, all that I've had other people practice. And I've come up with a simple formula and I'm not going to claim it as mine because it comes from so many different wisdoms and it's, it's stated in so many different ways by so many people, I wouldn't even know where it came from, but I found it to be one of the simplest methodologies to helping people find their purpose. And if you don't know, I believe every single person on earth has a purpose until their very last breath. I also believe that our purpose changes depending on the season of our lives. And so if you find yourself a little bit unfulfilled or don't understand why your career or your marriage or your shiny things or these external things, they're not really fulfilling you and you can't really, you find yourself looking at the scars and asking, why am I here? That's because you're lacking purpose. And so I'm going to give you the simple formula right now. And if you can actually apply your purpose into your job, i.e. you get paid for it, you'll literally never work another day in your life. I know that sounds cliche, but it's true. I'm a former recovering corporate financial consultant for 22 years. And I walked away at the top of my game because I believe in legendary, the book, legendary life programs and this coaching so much. And the fact that I'm paid for something I believe in that changed my life. And I've seen challenge, that you can actually live out your purpose. If I can do it, anyone can do it. So here's the formula. All right. So <clears throat> what are your God given talents? List them out. And here's an easy thing. Some of us are, don't know what our God-given talents is. Go ask your five closest friends what goodness or light that you put out into the world and what do people come to you for advice? That's your God-given talents. That's number one in the formula. Number two, of those lists of God-given talents, because I have many talents that I don't really enjoy doing it. So number two is which of those in talents do you enjoy doing? Because in order to, to live and serve in your purpose, you've got to enjoy it. It doesn't need to feel like work to you. Um, and so again, your God given talents, if you don't know what they are, go ask somebody, um, what are your, you can also ask them, what are your superpowers? So that's another kind of code for that. P 
pick the one you enjoy. And here's the third part. So this is the third part of the formula. The third part is what do you believe the world, people, or society needs? That's a tough question for some people. So I'm going to flip it on you. So if you already know what you believe the world needs, that's where you take your God-given talents. You, you choose the one you like and you go in baby steps, go help solve what the world needs. And for me, the world, there's so many people seeking business success, financial success, and that's the world I come from, but also seek happiness, fulfillment, better relationships, mastery over their mindset. I believe that's what the world needs right now. And you're seeing it play out big time during this crisis. And so that's my passions. That's the pain I want to solve. So one more time, take your God-given talents, find the one you like and go solve something the world, and it could be micro. It doesn't have to be, let's go solve world hunger or world peace. It could be something within your community, within your family, within your friendships, within your business, within just your area. But here's the thing, if you don't know what the world or your community or your friends or your family or your people need, like your purpose at this time, ask yourself, and this is a weird thing, Bruce, stay with me here. Ask yourself what really makes you angry or in kind of slander terms, what pisses you off? In that, the things that truly make you angry, the reason they make you angry, the flip side of that is your value systems, what you care about, what you think the world needs. Because some, some injustices being done either to you or someone else when you get mad, that's what you think the world needs. So that'll help you find that. And the final piece, and you said it, at the intersection of those three things, the world needs it, you love it, and you're good at it. And then if you can find a way to be paid for it inside or out of your career or create your own career, You'll never know work another day in your life. And so thank you for letting me share. It's one of my favorite things. It's an art and science to do that and to come up with it. But it will help you find more fulfillment, peace of mind, service, impact. And you talk about building a legacy. We do it through purpose. And one of the things you uh, touch on different times in the book, and it's kind of a gentle reminder every once in a while. Hey, you know, there are certain words that you've mm. decided to eliminate from your vocabulary. And I think we all need to eliminate certain words from our vocabulary. One of them is impossible. Mm. And one of them is try. <laughs> and one of them is busy. And then there are a few others too. But, should. Uh, the, yeah. uh, one of the big ones is should. Yeah. Oh my God. How many times have we heard the word should? Yes. That's somebody telling you they know better for you than what you know. It's it's either a teacher, a bad preacher, someone trying to tell you, I know better than you. The word yeah. should. And we should ourselves to death, don't we, Bruce? Yeah, we that's, definitely that's that do. thing in our brain, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Try, impossible, should, busy. I feel like I'm missing a couple others. Can't. That's another yeah. one. Can't. Mm -hmm. But all of those, try is code for I'm not going to do it. Oh, I'm going to give that try. I'm going to try to do that. That's code for I'm not going to do that. Anytime you tell somebody you're going to try to do it, Yoda says it best. Do or do not. There is no try. Should we just talked about it. Should is probably the single most shaming word in the entire English dictionary. Um, can't is, you know, that's the birthplace of won't, right? You can do anything you choose to do. Whether like What, what did uh, Henry Ford say? Whether you believe you can or you can't you're right. And then impossible, you know, it's amazing. You know, we take so much for granted. Think about 250 years ago. I mean, we've had people on the moon. We can get to China in a very quick amount of time. The technologies, how we can cure the human body, how long we're living, how far we've come in justice and food. I know there's a lot of problems in the world, but we've come a super long way in just 250 years where a lot of people a long time ago thought the world was flat and almost burned people alive because they said otherwise. Nothing is truly impossible. I think there's so much unmet human potential 
from innovation to thinking to elevating our consciousness through mindfulness and other tools. I just think that sky is the limit on what we can do as human beings. And one of the reasons I think that you've been able to help so many people is because you have a belief that it's got to be a hell yes, <laughs> or else it's just going to be a no. And that's an important <laughs> lesson that you teach in your book as well. I love that. And uh, I've gotten some pushback on that recently. And it, it, it to me, and here's why I get pushback. It's, it's, it's so true. But it's unfortunately because we talk about the shoulds and the shame monsters that kick in. Sometimes it's hard to implement, especially on our family. And here's, here's the teaching. And it, this was given to me about four years ago at a conference, an entrepreneurial conference in Italy. And I, I'm trying to figure out who came, speaking of try, I'm not, I'm, I am doing, I am figuring out who came up with it first. But when it comes to managing your time and who you hang out with, you immediately know when someone invites you to do something or you want to take a meeting or you want to go meet someone for coffee or a family member invites you in your gut, your heart, and your soul, you immediately know it's a hell yes. And if it's not a hell yes, it needs to be a no. That doesn't mean you can't compromise and mitigate and work toward that, especially with your family and certain friends. But what my wife and I have found, we have probably implemented that, especially in our weekends, our nights, our friendships, and the pe- the tribe that we choose to, to hang around, They need. we don't care where they are economically but they need to be positive, abundant, loving, compassionate people who are just willing and, and working on doing better. That's, that's literally our parameter. We have no time for judgment. We have no time for, uh, you know, the, the martyrdom of the world, the entitlement of the world. It's just people who are working to do better. So we surround ourselves with positive people who are trying to, who are working. I don't like to work, try who are working at making a difference in the world. And so when you apply that, if it's not a hell yes, it's a no to your life from time management to what opens up to happiness to boundary setting. It's a huge, it's a huge boundary setter too. And you can do it gracefully over time. I can't tell you, and this is going to sound bad. It doesn't mean I don't love these people. It just doesn't, it doesn't mean I want their energy vampire in my, my hemisphere right now. I don't need the negativity. I don't look, we all struggle with our own demons in our head. You know, if we talk to anybody else, like we talk to ourselves in our head, no one would like us. So I don't need other people who are like that as well. I've got my own issues, right? <laughs> so I'm working on, I'm working on me because, you know, don't make fun of me. That's my job. <laughs> so I, so all of us who are doing this work, who are seeking mindfulness, who are seeking gratitude or seeking love and compassion and impact in this world, it's important for us to hang about. Apply that if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. And my team has gotten so scientific about it because I'm asked to speak a lot, network a lot. I've, I've people ask to pick my brain a lot. And literally there's Lindsay and Patty on my team. We have a, is it a hell yes spreadsheet? And when I compromise and I come out of a meeting or a a interview or a TV thing or whatever we're doing, and I'm like, man, that definitely was not a hell yes. They mark it and call me on it. The next time that person calls, they're like, you told me this was not a hell yes for you and you didn't like it and blah, blah, blah. So it's good to have accountability partners on that. I don't mean you have to implement it all at once. There's grace to it. There's time to it. But from a networking standpoint, a happiness standpoint, a, a boundary standpoint, it will literally change your life if you apply that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Well, you participated in an 11-day vision quest. <laughs> and that sounds like it was just incredible. Very, very life-changing. For four full days and four full nights, you had no tent. 
no books, no phone, nothing. So no tell us what that was like. Yeah, no food. <laughs> tell us what that was like. How did you survive? What did it feel like? Um, it was brutal. And it was something I was called to do. It was, it was amazing. I was uh, volunteering at a young men's um, where young men go to this camp and they're kind of on the edge of going one way or the other way in their life. And I relate to those young men because I was mm -hmm. one of those young men and I wish there was camps like that. And I met this shaman, for lack of a better word, this healer, who's also a classically trained psychologist. And he was telling me about these vision quests he runs in the North Carolina and Arizona mountains. And he runs them all over the world. And it's literally a death and rebirth ceremony over an 11 day period in the mountains. And for four of those days, you go on your vision quest and you're out in the woods. There is zero human contact. There is no food. There is no tent. There is nothing but you, the universe, a writing utensil and your pad of paper. That's Oh, and you have water. Some people choose water. to do it without water. Some people to choose to do it without water. But if you want to find out where your insecurities, your fears, your internal wounds, and your demons lie, because there is no external noise out there. It's just you, yourself, and I like to call it God. That's what's out in the world. Uh, or the universe, energy, whatever you want to call it, it's there. It's you, yourself, and this higher state or consciousness or being out there. And you will have to look. It will feel like the most it's the craziest thing I've ever been through, but there's, there's four days of prep and I didn't go out there seeking a vision. I went out there to really look at some fears and securities, some wounds, some forgiveness things for myself and others. And I went out there to, to deal with that. And I did. And the first two days I hated it. The last two days, it was one of the most freeing, fulfilling, you know, from, and what you don't realize is there's snakes, there's spiders, there's squirrels, there's bears, there's deers, and they're all over you. They're, they're all around you. You're in their world. You're not in theirs. The first day you have 10 spiders on you and you freak out by day four, you're like, hello, Maud and hello, George. And hello, you're like naming them and you're talking to the squirrels. You become, you become different. <clears throat> but what I came out of that and the, the things that I experienced, the things that I felt, the, the things that I overcame, and the rebirth ceremony, this in its indigenous societies, you know, taking people through a rite of passage into this next stage of life. It was one of the most powerful things I, I ever did. And um, what was crazy for the four or five days after that, it, it was this, and this is going to sound way out there, and I haven't shared this very much. It's as, as if I could see three people because I was so crystal clear I was so awake, I was so alive, and I was so laser focused. I could see through the armor, the insecurities, that the mass that we wear as humans. And it was really overwhelming because you don't realize how much noise from societal noise to media noise to just noise in general is out in public until you get out in the middle of the mountains and you hear nothing but you and your thoughts and your fears. And it is powerful. <laughs> wow. Well, you did share in the book that you went to a conference right after. And that, <laughs> that, that when you, you saw what was going on with all the people, it looked so different to you. Yeah, I, w I was a host, actually. There, there was an entrepreneur conference in Atlanta with 500 people, and I was one of the housing hosts. And so kind of crazy. And I, and the counselors and the shaman and all the people involved, they're like, dude, you do not need to do that. He got, it was supposed to be a slow reentry. Well, I dove into the pool and I didn't need to do that. And so from sensory overload to seeing through people to seeing how much pain and how many facades that we put up just to, again, feel valid, to feel valuable, to feel important, to feel relevant. 
And it's all nonsense. It's all BS because we can't really be who we are. And you go to, into an entrepreneurial conference where they're talking about impact and scaling and money and exits and blah, 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 blah. And that's all important. I'm not saying it's not important. It's the world I live in. But you could see right through it. And it was very, very difficult. And you can also see how people numb themselves in all these various ways with all this various language. And it was, it was really interesting for me being wide awake and crystal clear walking into that. And so it was a really difficult transition for me. <laughs> well, I'm sure it would be difficult for anyone. You know, you talk in there about judging and you said a Buddhist friend of yours reminded you that when you judge others, you're actually looking into a mirror of your own soul and seeing mm. things you don't like about yourself. That's pretty deep. That's as deep as it gets. And it's so true. Um, it's interesting what we find out. And I have literally meditated on this. I've pondered on this. I've gotten quiet on this. I've talked about it. I've asked my mentors and coaches about it, my spiritual guide teachers. And it is so true. When we judge others, we're really judging ourselves. There's something we see in ourselves or there's something um, they're bringing to the table where it's a different perspective, a different point of view that either we feel threatened or we see ourselves in that and or that we see ourselves compounded in that or the worst or the best. It's a mirror we're looking at. And that if we all had that mirror and that open mindedness and to see that person all as another human being who lives, breathes, um, as long as they're not trying to hurt us, regardless of what perspective and when people are angry and they act out of their, 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 their integrity or they flip us off or they say something mean or they just believe something we're different to. When we start judging them, we're really judging ourselves. And, and there's a fine line between judgment and our certainty. When, you know, when we become certain of anything, we, that's where war and judgment and really tragic things start happening when we think our way of thinking is better than someone else's. And if we have human beings, as long as we keep in mind that there's another human being across from us and all around the world and we all have the same desires and wants, and that maybe they know something we don't know, or maybe they're experiencing something in life that we don't know that they're experiencing to make them act the way we do. And we certainly don't know their histories and the wounds that I carry. And just to realize that if we can catch our judgment and look deep inside ourselves and like, what is going on there? And what do I see in that person that either scares me or what's You know, what am I seeing in me that scares me? And that's a birthplace of compassion, empathy, and kindness. And this world would be a dramatically different place if we all started doing that. <laughs> Tommy, your book has so many tools and valuable ways to think about life. What do you feel is the most valuable strategy that you shared in your book? It's going to be the simplest one, I think, uh, and it's the most difficult one, and it's really two strategies. So in the book, uh, you've, you've talked about it. We talk about financial confidence and freedom and finding your purpose and reconquering your time and building a network, but we talk about a lot of soft skills, and then I'm going to get to the most important the soft skills of developing that unconditional love, self-respect and self-confidence for yourself so that you can truly love and respect others. We talk about mastering your mindset to minimize that noise and that, 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 that voice in our head that says all these things that are untrue. But we also take a deep dive in intimate relationships. And I'm not talking about sexual relationships. I'm talking about deep intimacy with friends, our network, our significant others to really live a life of love and deep listening and empathy and compassion. So we talk about a lot of hard and soft skills that we talk about as human beings. But to me, um, the two biggest lessons is how the book starts and how the book ends. And um, it's about taking action. And if you find yourself unhappy, unfulfilled, angry, judgmental, wanting a change, scared, 
Um, this is going to sound a little harsh, but it's true. I want you to go find the mirror, the closest mirror, and I want you to look at it. And there's the issue. It's no one else's fault because we've all had things done to us. We all believe we've all made our mistakes. We've all had things done to us, but we're in charge of our participate in your own rescue. We are in charge of ourselves and we must take action to do something about it. So the biggest takeaway is one baby step each day. Is it building your mental fortress? Is it building your emotional fortress? Is it building your spiritual fortress? Is it finding intimate relationships? Is it building money confidence, money mindset, being better professionally? Is it changing careers? Is it making a big choice or change? Is it building self-confidence? Whatever it might be, if you take action, and I'm going to tell you how I end the book, with one minor step each day just to be a little bit better, is it meditation? Is it gratitude? Is it practicing forgiveness? Is it working on your money skills? Is it hiring a coach? Is it joining a mastermind? Is it reading a book? Whatever it might be. Read Legendary, by the way. I put that plug in there. Um, it's taking action. And then what I think makes the greats and what makes people truly happy, fulfilled, and successful is sustained action. Regardless of the failures or setback, we keep taking action. We keep getting up. We get knocked down and we get back up. We get knocked down and we get back up. Sustained action. I think taking action and sustained action to invest in ourselves first, to work on all phases of our life in an hour or less every day, we can work on our physical, mental, spiritual, and professional muscles. And just an hour or less a day, you're worth it. When we invest in ourselves 365 days from now with baby steps, start small, think big, you will be exponentially better than we were 365 days before. And it's like compound interest. It just, it just adds on itself each and every year. And it's like climbing a mountain. Your view changes, your heart set changes, your fulfillment changes, your happiness changes. Your view is a lot different than the people who don't do that. But the hardest thing to do is change. And that requires taking action, asking for help and sustained action. What great advice. That's really awesome. And I, I wanted to ask you, after the book went to the publisher, you're all finished, did anything pop into your head and you thought, oh, I should have put such and such in or I left something out or anything like that? So the cutting room four had two or 300 plus pages in it. Um, I think there's certain certain things in the book. It, all of this stuff is surface level. So I believe this book, I'm going to, I'm going to say it, I'm going to sound like a nerd. I'm going to say it in mathematics terms. I believe this is a great place to start. It's arithmetic. It's like learning any sport, any craft, any art, any business or anything. You've got to start with the basics. And this is the basics of building and leading a legendary life. And I believe each one, I don't think I left anything off the table. I think if there's something in the book that resonates with you, mindfulness or meditation might be one of them or building financial mastery might be one of them or, you know, whatever it might be, wherever you want to go with the book there, you can go so much deeper in arithmetic becomes multiplication, becomes division, becomes algebra, becomes geometry and becomes calculus. You can go as far to the PhD level as you want in any one of these particular subjects or crafts and just really compound your life. And so I believe if there is any future books, it will be taking a deep dive into some of these subjects to help people become world-class and pros and all things building and legendary lives, building and living legendary lives. <laughs> well, it's, it's a great book because it is so approachable. It's so easy to digest it and it really makes sense. And it's written in such a great voice, which is your voice. And, uh, you know, I just, I just loved the, 
the style of it. I know that your website is choosegoodnessnow.com. Do you have a website for the book itself? Yeah, so Choose Goodness Now is the parent company, and that's the higher movement for education and some of our philanthropic and investing strategies. If you go, so here's here's a cool thing. If you go to TommyBreedLove.com, that should be interesting. That should be easy. TommyBreedLove.com, and you go forward slash gifts. So I'm from the Southeast United States, so I'm going to spell that G I F T S. In case you can't understand my Southern accent, that's TommyBreedLove.com forward slash gifts. G-I-F-T-S. We're giving away right now chapter three, which is financial confidence, uh, money mindset, and financial freedom chapters, as well as the mastering your mindset chapters, which is later in the book. So we're giving away two chapters plus my story. And we're also giving away my purpose formula, my purpose statements that hopefully you'll build your own. And there's all these other really cool goodies you get as well. But if you go to TommyBreedLove.com forward slash gifts, the book uh, is available in all your favorite local bookstores, all your national bookstores, airports, retailers. Um, the Audible book should, by the time, here the word should, I don't like the word should. The Audible book will be out. Uh, see, I catch myself into this day. Um, probably by the time this podcast is published, the Audible book will be out. So it's available on Kindle Nook, all the bookstores. I'm really proud of it. It's simple. It's easy. It's pliable. It will help you change your life. And it's called Legendary. So you can check it out there too. But if you go to TommyBreedLove.com forward slash gifts, you can see it. And I, I, I'm always putting out light, innovation, goodness, hope, um, tools that you can apply your life on my social media. And I'm really Googleable. Tommy Breed Love. It's easy to find. I'm all over the place and you can find me from there. So thank and you. And did you do the voice for the audible book? <laughs> I did. I did. So if you hated the way I sound, don't get that part. Get just buy the book and put your own voice to it. If you don't like the way I sound, I read it. It's not as easy as you think to read your own book. It's, I thought it would be a simple process. It ended up being a very difficult process. Um, it took a couple of months, by the way. And so that'll be out very, very shortly. I'm very proud of the Audible book, too. It's just so interesting how you spent so long in the corporate world. And then in the book, you share so much about meditation, about uh, affirmations and different things that you remind us. You say, well, I hope this isn't too woo-woo for you. Are you <laughs> becoming more comfortable with that side of your life because they are two quite different sides. Yeah, and so I am a I am as comfortable as it gets with the world of soft skills. Some people call it woo-woo, some people call it spiritual enlightenment, some people call it leveling up, whatever you want to call it. To me it's all about spiritual mind and emotional mastery because all of us struggle with that. I don't care if you're the CEO of Amazon to just someone struggling in life to get started. We all have our insecurities, our fears, our demons. So what I like about the book is it talks about the hard skills of networking, you know, basic finance and getting out of debt and how do we build wealth. It talks about all that good stuff and networking and leveling up. But to me, life is a stew. You know, our hearts, our minds, our souls, our professions, our money. It's all very, very important. Our health, it's all super important. And what makes a great soup or a great stew is if you take one or two ingredients out of it and you don't take a holistic approach, it's not going to be the best stew it can possibly be. And so what I don't want people to do is to look back with regrets. Should have spent more time with friends. See, here are the shoulds. This is where should is applicable. Those are the shames. I should have done this. I should have done that. I wish I would have you know, changed my career and, and pursued this or asked for that raise or asked for that date. 
I literally don't want to die with regrets. And I feel pretty confident right now as we speak, I wouldn't have any. I wish I'd have done some things differently, but those would make us grow, right? And so for me, the woo-woo, the spirit, the mindfulness, the soul, the heart, the mind is just as important as the profession, as the external validation, as the money. And it's all super important. It all leads to happiness. And I believe the more we work on ourselves holistically, all phases of our lives, the more impact we can make and ultimately the more significance and, and legacy we will have. And my goal, and not from richer fame, but just from how did I leave this world and the humans and the, that I touched, did I leave this world better than I found it? And to me, that's what building and living a legendary life is. So I, I totally embrace the soft skills and the woo-woo, the spirituality of all of it. So that's, that's my jam, actually. Unfortunately, most people want to start with money, power, success, fame, burr, 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 burr. <clears throat> but are they going to do it at the expense of their family, their happiness, their soul? And I believe you can have it all in life. And that's what legendary is all about. Wow. Wow. That's really uh, great. The way you've been able to sum that up. That's really awesome. And one of the reasons that I love the book so much is because I know you and I know you walk the walk. And I know that because back when you were on my show in, in July of 2017, you know, it was my first time really meeting you and we got off the call. And then every day, Every few days, I kept getting emails from you connecting me with people. Hey, Bruce, how about you meet this person and meet that person? You really, really, you really showed up. You introduced me to so many amazing people that I ended up interviewing for the show and have become friends with. And so I know that every single sentence in that book is you and it's meaningful and it's not BS. It's not because you learned it at some conference. It's because you live it. So that's one of the things I love about the book Legendary. So Mindful Tribe, get your hands on this book. Like I said earlier today, this is the book to read in 2020. We all need it. We can all learn from it. And I will be reading it again. So thanks for <laughs> writing that book, Tommy. Oh, you're so very welcome. And, and what an honor. And I'm grateful and humble. And tell me what you think about it. Seriously, reach out to me at Tommy at TommyBreedLove.com. Let me know what you think of the work and the book because it, it literally has every ounce of my blood, my soul, my energy. And it doesn't hurt my feelings. If you don't like it, it might not resonate. I might be chocolate. You're looking for strawberry. And maybe I can help you find something that is strawberry for you. But I am so proud of it. I'm so thankful of it. And um, it, is, it is so special. And thank you for allowing me to say that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My pleasure. So uh, one last time, just go to TommyBreedLove.com forward slash gift. and uh, With an S. With an S. Oh, gifts. gifts. With an S. G-I-F-T-S. Yeah, we got to I hope it's right. gifts. <laughs> I hope it's an S. <laughs> should probably look. <laughs> well, we, we, if it isn't, I'll go in and change this. <laughs> I love it. Anyway, yeah, Tommy, thanks so much for being on the show today. It's been great catching up. And thank you for everything that you do and who you are. And thank you, Tribe, and uh, nothing but love. And let's be good to each other, and let's, let's live toward becoming legendary and whatever that means to you. Absolutely. Yeah, you take care. Bye now. Mindful Tribe, I hope you enjoyed today's interview. If you did, please tell your friends about the show. Every person who subscribes and listens helps our show. So in the meantime, take what you heard today and reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode. <laughs>